All right. And, and, and today, what, what we're going to do in, during this time of reflection is that we're going to continue, if you will, on the themes that we started talking really a couple of weeks ago, but more specifically last week, because we were talking about Peter and this whole, uh, you are, you know, when Jesus asked him, uh, who do you think I am? And Peter responds, you are the son of the living God, the Messiah. And then Jesus responds, you know, that and that's true. That's that's the, the rock in which I build my church. And, you know, we talked about what, what all those things meant and the context of Caesarea Philippi. And, 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 and really, this is kind of like part two of that, uh, because this, this happens uh, in the narrative, um, um, in the narrative of Matthew, this happens, uh, this passage happens right after that. And, uh, and it's an interesting contrast, if you will. And I think it's an interesting contrast that has a lot to say uh, to, to, to the way in which we live now, I guess, to, to, our, to our society, to our context, uh, to, to, to our church, to, to our fellowship of Christ. So today we're going to anchor ourselves in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 28. Again, this Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 to 28 should be in your screen. And it says, For that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day to be raised again. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Go behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of God, the Son of Man, coming in His kingdom. Man, what a what a passage that is! There's there's so many things that Jesus kind of packs into this uh, final teaching, if if you will, and and it's very interesting the contrast in which it happens. Because last week, uh, Peter was the the rock in which the church is going to be built, and today he's a stumbling block. That Jesus needs to move aside to continue on his path. A couple of things that I find interesting in this passage that I wanted to share with you today. Uh, verse 31, it says that from that time, so after, after the, the episode in Caesarea Philippi, from that time he began to explain. Other translations say he began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and to suffer and to, and, and to die. And, and this is interesting because um, it almost feels to me that, that Jesus became more, more bold, if you will, in his teaching, in his, in his doing, in his way, in his, the way he's speaking, in the manner of his acts. It almost feels that, that, that Jesus began to intentionally um, create, if you will, tension uh, to, to go through the, you know, to, to kind of go on the path that, that was already uh, outlined for him. And I think that's what Peter responds as harsh as he, as he does, because he's been seeing kind of Jesus escalates, if you will, as he began to explain to them, to show them what is about to happen. It almost feels that, that Peter is a bit annoyed of the way in which Jesus is almost exposing himself 
to this kind of end. As Matthew's narrative unfolds, the solid rock on which the church will, will, will stand transformed into this stumbling block that threatens to obstruct Jesus' mission. Just a moment ago, as, as we saw last week, they walk in the region of Caesarea Philippi, and Peter and the disciples ponder on Jesus' questions, who do you say I am? Not limiting himself to the, to the opinions offered by others, Peter, instead of the others saying, well, you're, you're the Messiah, you're, sorry, you're, you're a prophet, you're one of the prophets, you're, you're John the Baptist, Peter, Peter proclaims his own answer. Jesus is the Messiah, he says. He's the son of the living God. And Peter got it so very right back then, the next moment, he gets it so very wrong. Wrong enough that Jesus suggests for him, Jesus suggests that, that somehow Peter is, is following uh, Satan, the adversary here. There's a few things that, are, that, that can lure humanity, can lure people, can lure human beings, men and women, uh, extremely powerful in our lives. Security, influence, power are really hard for people to resist. And perhaps that is, perhaps that is Peter's challenge. He cannot help but, but the thinking uh, that, that his association with the Messiah, as he has just declared, has, needs, will have some implications. Maybe after Jesus said that that truth that he declared is the truth in which he will build his church, gave Peter maybe step to think that he might have uh, a bit of a special role to play there. And perhaps that is Peter's challenge. He, 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 he sees this, this association with the Messiah um, as, as an opportunity, as we all see opportunities that would present themselves, and we are all tempted to, to take them sometimes. But then Jesus' announcements of, 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 of his death and the events that are about to unfold in Jerusalem um, almost point to, to um, almost um, erase, if you will, the, the, the potential for Peter's life. Um, they don't point anymore to that glory that, P that Peter might be thinking. They don't point to that influence or power. What about the new church? What about the authority that, 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 that Jesus said this church will have? What about withstanding the... the, the, the um, the power of death. What about storming the gates of Hades? How can these things happen? Peter is thinking. How can all of this happen if if uh, if God's anointed one, the Messiah, is about to be tortured and executed? So this is, see, that's what I said. There's no no wonder that Peter protests. No God, no Lord. This must never happen to you. And Jesus responds as swift and to the point. Get behind me, Satan. Now let's stop there, because the translation here is interesting. This, this command that Jesus gives to Peter is, is very similar to the command that he presents in, in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, as he's been tempted in the wilderness. Away with you, Satan, he says. Could it be that Peter's fervent wish that God will prevent the horrors that's about to happen to Jesus is something similar to what the tempter offered Jesus in the wilderness? In the wilderness, Satan dared Jesus to use his authority as son of God for his own purposes, instead of serving God's mission in the world. He, he tempted Jesus to set his mind on human things rather than those things of God. Jesus refused. 
One of the temptations, for instance, is, is for, for, for Jesus to turn rocks into bread so that he can heal, fill his stomach. But instead of hoarding that bread, of using his power to serve himself, Jesus, relieved, Jesus fed hungry multitudes. Instead of claiming privileges of sonship to call God's angels for his own benefit, he used his privilege to save, heal, and restore the lives of the sick and marginalized. Instead of grasping after worldly varieties of power, he opened the kingdom of heavens to all who will follow him in the way of righteousness. Jesus refused to fall into the tempter's trap and be diverted from God's mission. He showed the falsehood of the world's measures of authority. Along the way, he revealed what it looks like to serve the ways of God. He denied himself and his way. At Caesarea Philippi, as we said last week, Jesus' response to Peter echoes his wilderness reputation of the devil. He refuses to avoid the journey that lies ahead, despite the fact that the pointless suffering caused by human sin and violence towards the innocent one will appear to win. As, as the Bible tells us, this only is a win of the evil in appearance because all this is necessary so that on the third day he will be raised, raised and, and God will, put, will show the lie of violence of, of, of the ultimate power. However, there's, there's worth noting a distinction between Jesus' commands to, 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 to the tempter in the wilderness and to Peter here. And one here is, is obvious um, in, in, in the translation. In, in, in the passage of Matthew 10, um, the, the command of Jesus to the tempter is to go away. But here, however, the words are not go away. To Jesus, to Peter, tells him, go behind me. And all through the Gospel of Matthew, those words of Jesus, behind me, signify discipleship. And that is the proper place for a disciple of Jesus, behind him. That is the place of us as followers. Just a few examples. Jesus calls Simon Peter and others, and he tells, follow me, and I will make you fish, your man of, make, make you fish for people. And at this course, later on, he will say, whoever does not take his cross and follow me would not be worthy of me. In this same passage, if anyone to be my follower, let them deny themselves and take the cross and follow me. So in, in, in the chapter, in the passage that we read last week, Peter is receiving of a blessing. But now he's putting his own, thought, his own thoughts away of, ahead of the ways, of the ways of God, which makes him a stumbling block, a hindrance in Jesus' mission. Nevertheless, Jesus does not break relationship with him. Instead, he reminds Peter of his proper place as a follower. This is not the, time that, the first time that Peter falters, and it won't be the last, as we know. Um, of course, um, uh, Peter will later on pr promise Jesus that he will remain by his side till the end, only to abandon him. Peter will assure him that he will never deny him, only to do it three times before, uh, before midnight. Nevertheless, the promise of phrase, this cold gospel is still stand. The one who is called God with us, promising to be with us always until the end of the age, is already and always ahead of us, his followers.
Here's the first one to face the worst that the world can do. And this is what makes it possible for him to ask us to come and follow him. Jesus puts his life on the line ahead of all those who follow him, whether to the forsaken places of the wilderness or the center of human might and authority. Jesus is there. Now, what does it look like to trust God in this contest? How might the Messiah's presence enable us today, his disciples, to be behind him uh, when the prospects of follow, follow him are come at personal cost? What might they do for the sake of the world if we trusted the promise that the one that is the Son of God goes ahead of us? See the same, the same, the same uh, temptations, if you will, that Peter had, that Jesus had, are the ones that we have. Those temptations of, of power and, our, and, of, and of riches and of, and of glory, if you will. And those are the temptations that can get into the way of our follower, followership of Jesus. See, that's what Jesus says. If you want to follow me, then you need to deny yourself. To, to, to forget about those, those goals that you might have and to follow him purposely, knowing where that road leads to, but trusting that God goes with us. Just a few questions to close today. What are some stumbling blocks in your continued followership? Of Jesus. Is there anything that is getting on the way? Is this your own ideas? Is your own theological understanding? Is the tradition in which you grew up? Is the temptation of glory and, and, and riches and power? Is the temptation to, to think that we know a better way than the one Jesus marked for us? Here's the second question. Are we becoming stumbling blocks for God's way, for God's kingdom, for Jesus' mission in this world, in our communities, and those around us, in our own lives? My challenge to you today is this. Take a deep look. See what, what may be laying there. See if you may have aligned, maybe have aligned yourself with a tempter to try to, to, to use Jesus or to claim Jesus, to, to show his power so that you can get the benefit. And if that's the case, Jesus' invitation remains, get behind me and follow me. May God bless all this week.